0: Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you want more of the Word, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study, and be blessed. Amen, and amen again. This week, I... I always tell you guys I love so much when the Lord brings me through something or he brings me out of something or he just makes something aware to me that, um, you know, I need to work on or I need to address. And that's pretty much how this Bible study for this week happened. Um, Last weekend, I want to say, or well, the weekend that passed, either or, I was uh, working out with Broderick and Meeks and I said some very unsavory things to my brother Meeks. And it just, it didn't sit right with me. One, because it was very unwarranted. And two, it was out of pocket and out of context. And after it happened, I felt terrible. I felt horrible. And I just, it put me in a very bad state. But I thought to myself, and first I thank God, one, because I'm not at a point in my life anymore to where being mean or doing harmful things to another person just is okay with me. That doesn't sit right with me anymore. So first and foremost, glory be to God. Secondly, the Lord has blessed me with a brother who is very understanding and is not quick to hold things against me or in general. So with what the word says, if there is a problem between you and another family member, then go talk to them hash it out, see if you can come to an understanding. And before I even had the chance to do so, he had already reached out to me. So with that being said, our topic for this week is entitled introspective healing. And a quote that the Lord gave me in the shower is that whatever you lose in the world, you gain in Christ. So what is introspection? Well, introspection is the examination of one's own conscious thoughts and feelings. In psychology, it's the process of introspection. Uh, The process of introspection relies on the observation of one's mental state, while in a spiritual context, it may refer to the examination of one's soul. Now, that's good and all, because it's encouraging us to self-reflect. We need to reflect on what we're doing and see how we're measuring up. The problem with that is, is how are we reflecting on ourselves? Are we reflecting and using the world as a standard to measure up our actions and our deeds and the way we carry ourselves? Or are we using the word as a standard to reflect, to measure and to determine whether or not I'm doing what is pleasing unto my Father? So with that, we have another word. And I will put that on screen for you guys. The word being technon, which means a child, a descendant, or an inhabitant, it means that a child, or figuratively, anyone living in full dependence on the Heavenly Father, i.e. you are fully, willingly relying upon the Lord in glad submission, this prompts God to transform them into his likeness. And the definition at the bottom continues to further iterate that point. But what it's saying is, is that if I'm going to reflect, then first and foremost, foremost, I need to have a complete dependency on God and a complete interdependency from this world. We talk about it all the time, that we're not to be conformed to the world, but that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that we can know for ourselves what is that good, perfect and acceptable will of God. So when I reflect, I'm reflecting on everything God has poured into my life and using that in accordance to his word to see if I've actually made changes in different areas or if I'm still the same creature. But we know that if you're really a child of God and you've been born again, then you're a new creature. So, with all that being said, let's hop into the Word. And we will start in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. And I'll put that on screen. So, the Bible says Jesus said to the people who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view according to worldly standards and values, and this is 2 Corinthians. Though we have known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. First and foremost, let's address what Jesus said. He said that if you abide in my word, or if we use our definitions from the past, if we live in his word, then we are truly his disciples and we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. Well, in a previous Bible study a few months ago, We discussed how the truth being Jesus requires your truth or that he requires for you to tell him what's really wrong. When we come out of the world into Christ to be born again, we are telling God, look, I realize my way was wrong and it's only going to push me further down this path of death. So I want to try it your way because I realize that you were right from the start and that now that I'm acknowledging this, I I would like to take you up on your offer. And when you do that, then you join the family. When you confess it with your tongue and you believe it in your heart. So what Jesus is saying for our topic here is that when you take the time to reflect on what's really wrong with you, when you take the time to reflect on what triggers you for certain things, when you take the time to, to really look back and see have you grown, then you're acknowledging Jesus as the truth. And when you acknowledge the truth, when you build a relationship with the truth, then he's going to show you these different areas that need work on. And then once they come to your attention, you can take them before him and then the truth or Jesus will then set you free from them. We we talked about this, I believe in the last two lessons about testimony. And then about about different sins and other things that we've just been a you know a revolving door out, uh, so to say. It's that when we really allow the light to be shed upon whatever we're going through, or whatever we're dealing with, or whatever we used to get caught up in, then we're giving God a chance to be the Lord of our life by making those crooked places straight. Jesus Himself said that the condemnation of this world is because the light came in and the world didn't want anything to do with him. Matter of fact, that when he tried to give them the offer that he gives each and every one of us to just come to him, to repent and turn from this world, that they enjoyed being in the darkness so much that they ran from the light. Well, I like it in the light. It's nice. I can see out here. I can make conscious decisions because I know what's laid out ahead of me. But while I'm in the dark, if I were to turn all my lights off, it would be dark in here, minus my computer screen. But I wouldn't be able to see all of my surroundings. And when I can't see my surroundings, I can't make a good decision if I decide to move forward. It's the same thing as driving at night without your headlights on. Yeah, you have a general sense of what's out there, but because you can't see, because you can't accurately determine what's in front of you, you don't know if you're going to run into something that could be detrimental to you. That's why the Bible tells us that Jesus himself would be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. So when you start reflecting, as I said before we even hopped into the word, remember what standards you're doing it by. Because an introspective healing could be either Helpful to you or detrimental, depending on how you do it. Am I reflecting on myself with God's strength, encouraging me to do so? Or am I doing it because I felt like it and now I'm giving the flesh a, a way to tell me, you know what? You were OK. Yeah, they they made you mad. So you cursed them out. You fought them. You, you cut them off. That's OK. But it's not OK. As badly as this world has been treating God since the foundation of the world has been laid since we got kicked out of the garden up until now. God still has the same message being taught, being preached, being shown, and that's to repent, to come to him. So for us, and then we'll move on to the next scripture. When you are reflecting on yourself, ask yourself this very important question. Have I been living a lifestyle that's befitting of a child of God? Yeah, I made a few mistakes because I'm not perfect, but I was working on them. Or am I still out here really saved, but I don't look any better than the next person who doesn't even know who Jesus is? Second Corinthians chapter 13, verses three through six. And the Bible says, since you seek forensic proof that Christ is speaking in and through me, Uh, He is not weak or ineffective in dealing with you, but powerful within you. For even though he was crucified in weakness, yielding himself, yet he lives resurrected by the power of God his Father. For we too are weak in him, as he was humanly weak. Yet we are alive and well in fellowship with him because of the power God directed toward you. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. Or in other translations, it simply says that they have passed the test of genuine faith. So here is one of those prime moments where we're being instructed to really look at yourself. Take a step back and reflect on you. Have you been living a life accordingly that says, yes, I'm a child of God? When certain situations and issues in this life arise, like someone makes you upset, someone makes you angry, uh, you lose your job, you're down and out, you're sick. Are you responding like a, a true disciple of Christ would by praying, by seeking him? By doing what you know is right according to his word? Or are you responding in the world's way? When you get sick, the first thing you do is panic. When you lose your job, the first thing you do is get upset and bent out of shape. When you don't have any money for your bills that are upcoming, you start to resort to to evil tactics like stealing, like duping people out of their funds. The list goes on. But the point is, is that when you look internally to yourself, are you reflecting who Jesus is or are you still reflecting the world? Now, if you're really saved and you reflect the world, then there are some issues that you need to fix. The Bible says that we're to work out our fear. We're we're to work out our faith through fear and trembling. Fear because I've reverenced God and I understand that he could take me out in a heartbeat just like that if he wanted to. He formed me from dust and to dust I will return. Keep that in mind. Also, that because God is all knowing, all seeing, all powerful, and he's everywhere at once, he knows exactly what you're doing. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. And he's right there with you when you either mess up or you're willingly doing something wrong. So with all that being said, Again, ask yourself, is my life reflecting one that Jesus would be happy with? Or am I still out here acting as if I didn't learn anything? The Bible says, and I can't recall where exactly, but I can look it up if anyone wants to know. It's that Paul was talking to one of the churches and he asked them, do you guys need to restart again? Do you need to be taught from from the start? Do you need to be taught the basics again, or can we finally move on and you actually grow in your faith? So for you, for me, because I'm not perfect, I make mistakes all the time. I just told you one, and that's how Bible study started this week. When I get into something, when I mess up, when life hits me, am I doing it God's way or am I doing it my way? I'm going to say that again. Am I doing it God's way or am I doing it my way? Remember my way, your way, the world's way. You run into a brick wall and it hurts. It hurts really bad and the wall doesn't budge. Instead, you get injured, you get bruises, you get scars that don't heal. But when you try it God's way, that wall that used to be there is now a door or that pathway that used to lead to all sorts of bad people and bad influences or bad choices. They've now been pushed away from you as far as the east is to the west. And for my non-geographical people, that's an infinite distance. When God removes your sins, your stresses, your worries, or any tactic or trick that Satan is trying to use against you, away from you, then you have the perfect opportunity to, one, thank him, to, two, move forward, and to, three, help another person out. Your life's purpose is to, one, serve God. And that relationship between you two is personal. But the blessings, the gifts, the talents, everything else that God gives you is to one, be returned unto him in reverence and two be used to help everyone else out. When you do that, when you start to look inwardly at yourself and reflect on the mirror, which is the word, you realize that, hey, I know that person, that once I look in the mirror and I walk away, I can come back and still recognize me because it's not me that I'm looking at, but it's Jesus's stamp of approval. His blood that washed my sins that used to be red as scarlet, whiter than snow. It's the water that came pouring out of him that that washed away my transgressions. It's the sacrifice of his life that made the pathway because he is literally the way to God. He is the life of this world. He is the light that shines in the darkness. He is the truth itself because everything we could ever muster up to say outside of Jesus is either factitious or it's a lie meant to benefit us. So again, when you reflect, reflect on Jesus and determine whether or not your life is living in accordance to what he says this life should look like for you and for me as a saint of God. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 through 10 and Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Do not judge others, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, our topic is introspective healing. The first part being self-reflection. The second part, acknowledging what's wrong so you can get help for it. The first step in the healing process is to, one, acknowledge that you have an issue. Everyone in AA can tell you that I said that I I realized I knew I had an issue with drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. And then I wanted help because I didn't want to be sick anymore. Jeremiah tells us that our heart or our emotions, if you put it in layman's terms, are desperately wicked. And the only thing that they want to do is to keep you off of God's pathway because there is a war between the flesh and the spirit. And they will never be on the same page. But God, who knows all motives, all hearts, all thoughts, all minds, is looking at your heart, he's looking at your mind, and he's going to reward you according to what your actions deserve. You're in your heart. You could be dead set on helping somebody. But if your actions aren't reflecting the motives of your heart, then you need to work on that. Not to mention, Jesus himself said that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and vice versa, and that the treasury of a good heart produces the wellspring of goodness. So if you're out here doing right in your own eyes, remember the ways of of a man looks good, but it leads to death. But everything that you do is actually wrong and evil and is uh, self-satisfying. it's self-ambiguous, and it has something to do with pleasing this flesh or lustful desires, then yeah, you, you, you're not on the right side, bro. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I look at myself now, and I look at myself a few years ago, and I thank God for everything that he's brought me through and has allowed me to, to go through in order to get to this point right now. Literally just last week, I did something that I know I should not do, but it happened anyway because of this. And then some moment of weakness, I allowed it to occur. Keyword: I allowed it. There are a lot of things in your life that you allow to do. That's why when you look inside of yourself, according to what God has said that you should be, in accordance to what you know will please him because you've been studying the word, you've been actually spending time with him, through prayer, through meditation, through fasting, then what Jesus says is, why are you worried about someone else when you yourself have humongous flaws? I came at my brother sideways as if I didn't have things that I needed to work on. Not to mention, I came at him in a way that wasn't even warranted. And that, that really hit a spot. And then it broke me throughout the week and especially today before Bible study. In that breaking, I was able to comfortably and humbly, the key part of this Christian journey is humility, is to tell God first, Lord, I'm grateful that you still have me here. Secondly, I thank you for the simple fact that you've allowed me to see where I am messed up at still because this sanctification process is lifelong and it's ongoing. If you think that you're perfect, (laughs) <laughs> let me tell you, you're far from it because perfection is literally Jesus. Though he was a man, he was without sin. Why? Because he was the fullness of the Godhead and a body just like yours and mine. And now because our spirits are one, that consubstantialness we always talk about because now we are inseparable. Nothing in this world above it, below it, or in all creation can pull us apart from God's love. Because I have that a part of me at all times, now I have the ability, not by my strength, but by Jesus's strength, to push forward, to look at myself, hate myself, deny myself, throw it into the furnace, and come out just that much more close to, the, to that wonderful, glorious standard that God has placed before us, though we miss it every day the fact that you are continually striving for it because now your life has a purpose is what the Lord is rewarding. So take a look at yourself. Determine what's wrong according to God's word, not by the world standard, not by what you think is okay, not by what they say on social media because 99% of them are just there to help encourage sin. But really take a look and determine whether or not if I'm pleasing my Father. And if you don't know Jesus, well, get to know him. Come on in. Like he said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. For his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. He literally wants nothing from you but to love him and to just chill out with him. You know, spread the word. I saved you and because you say you love me so much, tell the next person. Make the family bigger. It's just that simple. James chapter 19. I'm sorry, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. And I'll put that on screen. The Bible says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Bring that back real quick. You must be quick to listen. Put your listening ears on and slow to speak. I know a lot of us like to speak, myself included, but sometimes we need to just hush, and we need to be very slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and his name is Jesus, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The Bible says that the Lord is good and faithful and he watches over his word to keep it. So when you are actively putting his word into practical application, when you are walking the word out, when you are talking to God and you remind him of his word in accordance to your life, your family's lives, your friends' lives, this world, people you met randomly, when you remind him and are carrying out his word, don't you know he's sitting there on his throne, like, look at my baby, Jesus, go get my healing, go go, go get my blessings, go get everything that they just asked me more, and then throw a bunch more on top, because guess what they did? They sought my kingdom, they sought our kingdom first, and then they did everything in the power that I gave them to please me, so now I'm going to give them everything that they ever asked or hoped for, and then some more. I'm going to answer prayers that you didn't even know you needed to pray yet. I'm going to give you some things that you didn't even know that you wanted yet. I'm going to bless you with the resources before there's even a demand for it. And why? Simply because I love you and you did what I asked you to do. You took up your cross every single day that I gave you breath, every single day that I gave you activity in your limbs, and you acknowledged me. And through your acknowledgement of me, I allowed you to see what was wrong at that moment, what you needed to fix at that moment. And then when you reflected, when you introspectively took the time to determine what was wrong, you allowed my healing power to consume you. My fire that consumed the burning bush but didn't set it ablaze, you stepped into my kitchen and you opened up the oven, and as hot as it was, it did not burn you, it did not sear you, it didn't even leave you smelling like smoke. Because I, the Lord God, mighty in battle, Yahweh, the eternal God, the one true wise God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Redeemer himself, because I am your covering, because I am your shell, because I am your strength, your peace, your love, your joy, because I am your everything. I allowed you to walk forward. I took your enemies. I took your problems. I took Satan himself. And I made them kneel down before you because you were mine. And I put them on top of each other so that you could use them as a stepping stone, just like the Book of Psalms says. So how important is it to reflect on yourself in terms of who you are according to Jesus? It's very important. Because a lot of the things that we deal with, a lot of the things that we are going through to this day are because, like we said in a previous Bible study, we're trying to look at current enemies, current battles, future battles, but we're still fighting the past. And you can't fight future battles if you're still fighting past ones. So stop whatever you're doing. We're in the midst of a pandemic. You've got time. Even if you're going to work, you still got time. Take a look at yourself, step back, reflect, thank God that you're still here and grow, just grow. One of the biggest gripes I could think of that the Lord would have with us is that we don't wanna grow aside from not accepting Him. But when you wanna grow, when you're hungry for God, when you're thirsty for His word, He's gonna give you all that and then some. He's going to make your cup overflow. He's going to put heaps in your storehouse so that you have so much you don't know what to do with that you'll be living your life off of the overflow because God is just that good. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 32, and I'll put that on screen. And the Bible says... For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. It's the new seal between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself. There it is again before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or God's judgment into your life, not discerning the Lord's body. That is why many of you were weak and sick and some have even died. Even if we would examine ourselves, but if we would examine ourselves, I'm sorry, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Now, we use that in the church when we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper because that's literally what it was given for. But as we kept reading, we also realized that it was given to remind us that when we claim the name Christian, which means I am a follower of Christ, I've been given his power by acknowledging him to become a child of God. If I take that lightly and just fling it around like many people try and do, then I am casting God's judgment into my own life because I have dared to mock and trample upon the sacrifice of Jesus's life. Jesus's body has been the lamb slain in the throne room of heaven before the foundation of the world was laid so that it would be a constant reminder to God the Father, who is the eternal judge, that when us, his people, cry out to him, when the accuser of the brethren, Satan, our old enemy, that old serpent, tries to bring up our past indiscretions before the Lord, all Jesus would have to do while he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father is point to his body, point to those nail-scarred wounds in his hands, point to the the, the gaping hole in his side, or maybe remind him of those gashes on his back, or remind him of those streams that, that are around his head where the blood came flowing down, or remind him of the simple fact that death in and gra- in the grave are all in subjugation to him, or that he's given the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit to us to baptize the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, whose unilateral name is Jesus. Yeah, so when the enemy is trying to accuse you, he can't because he has no power. All the power that we used to sow to him has now been taken away because we have left the world, and all the ultimate power is in subjugation to the one who it was made through in the first place, his name being Jesus. So when we were looking at ourselves, when we acknowledge that we are Christians, make sure that when you make that announcement for the first time, that you really mean that in your heart. That if you've been on this Christian journey for a while, that as you share it with other people, that yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm born again. Or when you're just spending time with God, remember that you are on a a ever-changing, ever-growing path of life called sanctification. The result is the same for all of us. Perfection in Christ Jesus once we leave from here. But the pathway looks different for everybody. You may have to go through some things that I don't necessarily have to go through because you are built different from me. You may be able to handle some things that I can't. And that doesn't make either one of us greater than each other because we're a part of the same body. It's simply saying that we have a different demographic of people that we can help with But we can't help them if we don't first acknowledge the problems that we're facing. I can't, as Jesus so eloquently put it, help get the speck out of your eye if I have a big log gashed into my face. I can't see past myself if my apparent issues are right here staring at me. I can't say, hey, bro, is something wrong over there if literally I can't see. But if God who is so good allows me to see what's wrong and then I allow him to take it away from me, then my burdens are removed and I can say, you know what, bro? I just got through that. Or you know what, sis? I know someone who had, who's dealt with that before. So either let me help if you're willing or if you'd like some help, let me put you in contact with them because they know how to get through this. And matter of fact, they can tell you how God got them through it because it wasn't by their strength. Because remember, brothers and sisters, we have none. I'm as weak as can be, and I'm proud to say it because in my when I am weak, then I am strong. As a matter of fact, in my weaknesses, as the Bible says, that's when God's strength is made perfect. That's when He can work the most dopest, miraculous miracle there is, because there was literally no way for anything good to happen. But God made a way out of no way. And that's one of the reasons why we serve Him. So, <clears throat> in Lamentations chapter three, verse thirty-seven through forty, Romans chapter uh, Romans chapter twelve, verse one through two, and Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two through twenty-four. One big scrunched-up, uh, blessed, blessed goodness. I'll put that on screen for you guys. And the Bible says, who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? Then why should we, mere humans, complain when we are punished for our sins? Instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you and then Galatians chapter five. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, something we talked about last week. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and crucified them there. Now, there's a lot of information here, so let's work through it very briefly. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says that who can make anything, or who can cause anything to happen without God's permission? Remember, we talk about this all the time, but let me reiterate it for you. Satan can do nothing in your life, nothing can occur in your life without it first going through God. The storm that may look like it's trying to take you out was sent to help you grow because the Bible says that the trials and tribulations that we go through were not sent to take us out, but to help build us. James chapter one, that when trials and tribulations come your way, count it all joy, because now your faith has a chance to grow. Does not the most high send both calamity and good? Hmm reiterating what I just said. And thank you, Jesus, that the good and the bad that happens this world is because God allows it. Yeah, I know there are some people out there who say, well, if God, if Jesus is such a good God, then why would he allow it? Or if there is a God, why would he allow such crazy things to happen? Simple. You, me, the rest of everybody else in this world, we made a choice. We either chose to serve God or we chose to spit in his face and go do whatever Satan was trying to lie to us and tell us it would be good for us. It's simply because of that. You chose to love him or you chose to hate him. There's no middle ground. I know we love our middle grounds. We like to be neutral, but in this game called life, there is no neutral ground. You are either for God or you're against him. And when you're against him, eh, things may look nice now, but like Jesus said, right here on this earth would be your only source of heaven, because once you leave, I don't know what to tell you. But that's on you if you choose not to love him. Me, my brothers, my sisters, all of us who are up here ministering the word of God, out of love, which you should be, I'm simply trying to sway you away from the world because it's not that great, first and foremost. And two, the wages of sin is death. No matter what you do, if you just lie all your life, if you never accept Jesus, it's death, buddy. I'm sorry, but that's just the rules of, the, of this game. Romans chapter 12. Love this one. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed into a new creature by the way you think by God's mercies. That's so important. I can't honestly say that I've self-reflected. I've introspectively looked at myself at my actions and at the at the way I think, at the way I carry myself. And really claim to be saved if I'm still doing the same old thing. I can't tell you I love you and then only curse you out, only fight you, only harm you. That's not what love looks like. And you wouldn't believe me if I said it. So in the same way, you wouldn't believe that I've been growing in an area if I'm still doing it. I'm not an alcoholic, but I drink eight bottles of liquor a day. I don't have a drug addiction, but I choose to do every single drug out there all day, every day. I don't have a problem with sex, but I've slept with everybody within the next 20 mile radius. That's a lot of people. The point is you cannot lie to God. You can try to lie to yourself. You can try to lie to people. But as we looked at it earlier, God knows what's going on inside your heart. And what he wants from your heart is to turn away from this world because it sucks, plain and simple, and to turn to him because with God, there is an eternal treasure waiting on you, not to mention that that treasure, because you are a co-inheritor to his kingdom, you get benefits now. It's not a wait till you die to get blessed. It's a join Jesus, be blessed throughout the rest of your life. Whether it looks like a blessing or not, you're going to know if it's a blessing because the Lord is going to show you so that you can give him praise and help the next person out. And then when you leave this planet because your flower has bloomed and your, your mission is done, then you go home. My pastor recently uh, passed away this this week. He went on home to glory with, uh, with God our Father. And I'm happy for him because now he doesn't have to suffer. I will miss him dearly. Many of us will, because underneath that man, I heard the Lord loud and clear. I grew so much. I learned so much. And I experienced the Lord in new ways I didn't know were possible. And I thank God for using my, my big brother, Bishop Richard Holman, to do to do that, not just in my life, but in my brother's lives and family members' lives and everyone who's been in my church's life. But his mission was done, and he got his ultimate reward where his heart was, where his treasures were being stored because his heart and his mind were stayed on Jesus, that he suffered for a little while with God here on this planet. So now he's going to rule and reign with the Lord forever. I know a lot of us don't want to die. I know a lot of us look at death like it's this contrary thing. But you got to remember, because death could not hold Jesus down, it's not a punishment to you. To live is for Christ and to die is to gain. Like Paul said, I don't know whether I want to go or stay because if I stay here, I can do more work for the kingdom and get more people saved. But if I go, I get to relax for real. I get to bask in his presence one-on-one. I get to be there with God Almighty. So either way, look at life like this. Remember, Jesus is risen. He did not rise, but he is risen, meaning that he is always alive. He always was alive. His body may have died, but his spirit, unlike ours, is incorruptible, and it could not perish because he is the Almighty. He is the Ancient of Days. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Point being, and we'll move on to our final verse, is that remember the most important thing in this life, It's that when you reflect on your life, is Jesus really the head of your life? Or were you just saying it because you wanted to save face with somebody? I don't get up here. Most, well, not most, all truly saved people who minister the word, who teach it, who preach it, we don't do it for accolades because it's not for us, but we do it so that we can share the goodness of God with you and everyone else, so that you can join the family, so that you can get it right too so that you can be free from things. I hated when I had a porn addiction. I hated when I was caught up in lustful thoughts. I hated worshiping technology and video games. I hated worshiping people. I, I literally hated me because I didn't understand my own value. But when God started setting me free from things, I I, I wouldn't want to go back. Yes, yeah, some sin felt good, like the Bible says, but it felt good for a moment. But just because it felt good doesn't mean it was good for me. Just because I'm free to do all things doesn't mean that all things have been to me. So when I look at myself in the mirror, which is the word, do I see Jesus or do I see the world? Proverbs chapter one, verses 20 through 33. This is an open Bible moment, but I'll put it on screen for you guys to reference. and starting in verse 20 the bible says wisdom shouts in the streets she cries out in the public square she calls to the crowds along the main street to get to those gathered in front of the city gate how long you simpletons will you insist on being simple minded how long will you mockers relish your mocking how long will you fools hate knowledge come and listen to my counsel I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and you rejected the correction I offered. So I will, so I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace untroubled by fear of harm. One main thing I want to point out is in verse 32. You are destroyed by your own complacency. There are so many points in our lives where well, we get comfortable being in a situation. You could be comfortable being in an abusive relationship. You could be comfortable within a drug habit. You could be comfortable within, um, within struggling with alcohol, within worshiping people, within uh, idolizing things, within being caught up in uh, promiscuous activities. The point is, it's that when you become complacent, you leave no room for growth. You leave no room for reproof. You leave no room for correction. You leave no room for healing. How can you heal if you enjoy being abused like that? Jesus is saying, as he's here in the guise of wisdom, the thing that the Lord used to lay the foundations of existence the architect that was there with God the Father from the beginning to shape and mold everything. He's saying, how long are you going to stay out there in the world? How long are you going to choose to to keep letting the same sin, the same tricks, the same tactics trip you up? How long are you going to hold on to those things that make you depressed, that make you sad, that make you turn away from those who love you, that make you want to commit suicide. How long are you going to play in the dark instead of running to the light and let me give you everything your heart has ever longed for? How long? Brothers and sisters, reflect. Reflect according to God's standard. Look at yourself and determine whether or not you're growing. If you're growing, great. Keep growing because this life is about that, growing through faith in Christ Jesus to help get yourself better, to help get this world better, and to help make the family as big as it possibly can be. Because it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should be saved. But it's not gonna work out that way because people are just shunning God. Why? I don't know. The lie that Satan is selling must look really good on paper. But if they would read the fine print, they would look in between the lines and see all those subsections that Satan has implanted. But when you look in the fine print of the word, there is no subsection with uh, these things that Jesus has implanted to try and trick you. No, everything that God offers is there at face value. Yes, there is a deepness to this world, this word. But the deepness comes from the relationship. It's not in that, that fine print contract that you need a lawyer to read. On the contrary, Jesus wants to be your lawyer. He wants to burn that old contract that you had signed and get you out of it because he's the only one that can. He's the only one with enough money to put money on your books. He's the only one that can bail you out in those bad situations. He's your only help. He's your only source of strength. He's your only source of anything. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer saying, thank you, Lord. God, I thank you so much that you are kind enough to show us not only where we're wrong, but you are kind enough to rebuke us in a loving way, Father, because you are a loving Father. God, I thank you for making all of my infirmities prevalent to me, Lord, so that I can start working on them with you. And God, I thank you so much for doing the same for my brothers and sisters Because you are the only way that we can grow. Why? Because you are the way, the truth, and the life, and the light of this world, Lord. Without you, we can do nothing. As you said that you are the vine and we are the branches, and apart from you, we can do nothing. There is no strength outside of you, Jesus. There is no joy outside of you, Lord. There is no happiness, no peace, no life, no light, no nothing outside of you, God. So, Lord, we thank you for your power that reigns in those vile imaginations, that reigns in those strongholds and, and destroys them. Lord, we thank you for your power that keeps us on the right path, that though sometimes we stumble because we're imperfect, but because you're right there every step of the way, on the left and right, holding us up, going before us to prepare the way, and behind us, guarding our rear so the enemy can't attack us from any angle. God, it's simply because of that we say we love you, Lord. We love you so much for dying on a cross called Calvary, for getting up on that tree that is a curse, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your blood and the water that came streaming from you. That was a remission for sins, and that was the forgiveness for our transgressions. God, right now, if there's one out there who's listening, who doesn't know you, I pray that you would touch their heart through this message or any other, that they've heard about you, Lord, that they would renounce themselves in this world and that they would come to love and live inside of you, Christ Jesus, that they would embrace the truth because it is the truth who is you, Lord, that will set them and any one of us free. So, Father, show us the truth about ourselves so that we can bring it before you, the ultimate truth, and be set free from every trial, from every tribulation, from every stronghold, from every generational curse. Father God, we need you so much as this just adulterous and wicked world gets worse and worse. But as much as the world changes and gets more disgusting, more bent out of shape, Lord, you are the the same God that you were, Lord, yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are the same forgiving God, the same merciful God, the same just God, the same loving God. So, Father, it's in Jesus' name we thank you for all that you've done in our lives, for all that you're going to do in our lives, and for all that that you're doing right now, Lord. We be, we will be sure to give your name, all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys, the, the floor is open. You can go ahead and share if you so wish to. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, We hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you, and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors, and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.